Hey, church, how are we today? Awesome, awesome. Let's get fired up. This is week two of our series we're calling Pursued. Last week, if you missed out, that's all right. This is like, uh, like coming in in the first 20% of a movie, right? We're just a little, a little bit way, a little ways into this. So this week, uh, or last week, we talked about God pursues us for relationship. Uh, we dove into that. We, we, we had conversation around the fact that God really, 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 really does want to have a relationship with you. I know if you're like me, you think God pursues us because he's mad at us, right? When I grew up, I was sort of the wild child. My sisters were perfect angels. I was the only boy in the family. My parents looked at me like, what? What did we get? I mean, like, whoa, what happened? And I was, uh, you know, I was always thinking, yeah, God, God, uh, God's God. He's out there. And the reason uh, he's out there is because he's mad at me. And I was always kind of running from God or running uh, and many times in my life running for God, trying to please God, make him happy with me. And what we learned last week is God wants us to be close and connected with him. Why? Because he's relational. And so we started looking at a story last week where God used a guy named Hosea, who was an Old Testament prophet, prophet being somebody God used in the, in the Bible days, old ancient days, uh, sort of to be his spokesperson, to kind of let the world know who he was, who he is. And so he would use these guys to kind of say, hey, tell everybody I said this, and they'd say it. Well, God took this one guy named Hosea and said, not only do I want you to tell everybody who I am, I want you to actually live out your story, and I want you to showcase your story, and you be the spokes voice and life lived out so I can show my people how I really feel and think about them. So last week was all about God pursues us for relationship. Today I want to dive into the second part of this, and I want us to walk away with God pursues us today for grace. God pursues, pursues us for grace. But let me set this up. So last week I got to go on, uh, on, a, on, hunting, on a hunting trip. Now some of you guys, you, may, you might be of the impression that uh, I should not or we should never take an animal out, right? So I apologize if this offends you. Uh, it's not my intention. But I went on a hunting trip last week, a duck hunting trip. So our intention, our goal was to take waterfowl out of the sky. And uh, we got going on this hunting trip, and we, really, we quickly realized who could shoot good and who could not shoot at all. Uh, so I have a video clip. It's going to sound like I'm making fun of my friend but the, 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 the switch flips here, uh, and I'll, I'll show you why this is going to be shown. So let me show you this quick clip. All right, so I don't know if you guys can pick that up, but I'm filming. I'm in the middle. I'm watching our superstar expert guy who can, like, call ducks like nobody's business. In fact, he probably trains Duck Dynasty people, if you've ever seen that show. This guy is literally, he's phenomenal. I'm hunting next to my friend who took me on the trip, who's in our church, who was in our service last hour, 
And I got to, I got to make everyone think I was mocking him because he missed both those shots. And so the, the expert guy looks at my friend, who I won't mention his name. His name's Brad. Um, he says to Brad, why didn't you take that shot right when he was right here? And then Brad sees that I'm filming. He's like, hey, cut that out. So I say all that to say this. As the story unfolds, Brad shot 90% uh, of everything he shot, he got about 90% perfection out of it. I, on the other hand, I missed 90% of the time. So we actually had to end our trip early because I shot through all my shotgun shells and had to scavenge everyone else's shells. And uh, so I went through 60-some-odd shells and I, I, I actually shot and took out about 10%. So the, re- the reason I tell you this is not to say that Brad can't shoot well. Brad shoots great. I shoot terrible. Now, it's, it, it's, it's not, it was not my intention going on to this trip to be the guy who missed, right? Uh, I really thought, and, and maybe this is just in me, I, I think I'm pretty awesome at some things. And I grew up doing a lot outdoors, and I thought, I want to show these little hillbilly boys what's up. But for whatever reason, uh, I, I shot terrible. And it was not my intention to show up and shoot that poorly. I mean, I, 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 was, I was really kind of frustrated. I was like in disbelief, like I can't hit a barn if it flew by. I would miss a house. If, a, if an RV flew over and it was like a tornado and Toto and all of Kansas flew by, I would miss the state of Kansas. So it was not my intention to miss 90% of the time. Um, I just missed. I just missed. Now, when it comes to life, uh, a lot of us miss in life. In fact, when it comes to like us trying to be good and do things well, and I wanted to be a good duck hunter that day. I love to be a good sportsman. A lot of areas of my life I want to be great at, right? But oftentimes I found myself missing 90% of the time, like being a good husband. I blow that a lot. I just do. I get selfish, I get impatient, I get rust, I get, I get stressed, and it comes out in my life and how I act. Uh, I, I, I want to be a great pastor. There are days I walk out of here, I'm like, that's the worst message. I would never come back to hear that again, right? There are times I'm like, I don't know how to study all this much. I'm not a great studier, right? Well, God, why do you have me in this role? There are days that I look at my kids, and I'm like, I'm ruining them. <laughs> and so I'm like, much like my shooting ability, I'm, I'm kind of carrying that over in a lot of areas of my life. So my intention is not to miss. My intention is to do it right. But here's the problem. In God's economy, when it comes to this area of doing it right, measuring up, being good enough, and not making mistakes, it's kind of like if you're, if you're in outdoors and you like archery. The goal is to shoot a what? A bullseye. So once you shoot once, and if you do not hit a bullseye, you are now what? You are a non-bullseye shooter, right? right? Uh, once you missed a bullseye one time, you're now a misser of the mark. It was never my intention to miss the ducks. It's never my intention to not be a great dad. It's always my intention to be the best. But I always find myself missing the mark. I always find myself missing doing you know, good. I'm always flubbing it up. So here's the good news. And I know you're like, great. The first 30 seconds, he told us we're all sinners. 
Like they, they we're all misters of the mark. But and, and that and that is that is reality. Right? We're, we all we've all missed the mark, right? If you woke up this morning, chances are in the first ten minutes, you had a thought, you got grumpy, you had an emotion, the food wasn't cooked right, you know, somebody tripped you on the I don't know what it is, but the truth is all of us missed the mark. But here's the great news. And this is where I want to go today when, in this conversation that God pursues us to, to model to us grace. Here's the truth. The good news is grace is the undeserved, unmerited favor and forgiveness of God. That's what God wants us to know about him. So God sets this up, and we started this conversation last week with this guy, Hosea, who's this prophet, who's God's spokesperson in this story, who has his own book, who writes his own book, not just penning what God told him to say, but he's penning what God told him to live. So here, here, here's what happens. God tells this guy, Hosea, go marry this woman who's going to end up being a prostitute, but go marry her anyways. I'm telling you what's going to happen in advance. Marry this woman. She's going to have kids with other people. She's going to have other lovers. You're going to have your heart broken but I want you to continue to go after her and love her and do not quit on going after her. And God says this. He says this. This is crazy. It's like, God, really, this is in the Bible. God hasn't forgot his moral standards. God's had a specific purpose with why he said this. He wanted Hosea to live this story out of pursuing this woman continually, not quitting on her, not walking away from her, but pursuing her for the purpose of showing her grace. And God said, do that, and that's how I'll tell your story to my people. So God says that. So week one, we, we did uh, chapter one and a few verses out of chapter one, and we, we literally read where God says, I want to tell your story so my people will know that essentially uh, we're like the, they're like the woman in the story. Gomer is her name. Uh, she and the pe- my people are really a lot alike in this story. She cheats on you. My people are cheating on me. She uh, has abandoned you. My people have abandoned me. She doesn't even know that her husband loves her and wants to be in a relationship, just like many of you and my people, he's talking about the Israelites, have run from me, chosen other gods, tried to find hope, tried to find strength, tried to find life outside of this relationship I want to have with them. So that's what we, that's where we left off last week. This week I want to pick up in Hosea chapter 3. All right, so if you grab your Bibles, if you've got a Bible, I, I, I'm kind of I'm old school. I like to see it in print. So if you're like me, uh, bring your Bibles because you can really just like get, get a lot of like the old school pen and pad and, and take some notes. We give you some message notes. But Hosea is like one of the last... Uh, one of the one of the prophets midways through the the prophets, and they're like towards the end of the Old Testament. So if you kind of go past midway, you'll find Hosea in there. Uh, and so if you don't have a Bible, we'll have it up on screens for you. We got this new invention. It's called a screen. It's awesome. All right, we're the first to have this. Okay. All right. So Hosea chapter chapter three verse one sounds like the very first verse that we read last week in chapter one. But there's a twist in this one, and we'll pick up where this story, this verse ends off. So, so by now they've been married. I'll catch you up. By now they've been married. He's been married to this woman. She's 
been cheating on him. He's now, he's like living the story out. I'm sure he's thinking, God, how long will this go on? When will she finally return? When will my advances finally pay off? When will she let me love her and we'll have a a, a tight relationship? And so she's still out sleeping around, having other lovers, still having more kids. He's at home, doesn't know where she's at, putting the kids to bed. And we pick the story up, chapter 3, verse 1. Then the Lord said to me, this is the second time he speaks. I think he, like, just like, I need to keep this guy going to have him doing what I want him to do. So I'm going to tell him again, remind him. Then the Lord says to me, and he pens this as he's living this out. Go, love your wife. Here's the word again. Again, go love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. And here's why he's doing it. Here's why God sets Hosea up for this. This will illustrate what the Lord, or that the Lord still loves Israel. Still. The word still is very, very helpful for me. Very helpful. Because I guess somehow when I, when I became a Christian, I thought, okay, everything's going to get cleaned up. And, and now looking back over my 40, I forgot how old I am. It's not quaint. So uh, 40 plus years, I'm 47 years old. I look so young for 47. All right, so now that I'm 47, here's what's crazy. I got a longer track record. It's not been that the last 20-some years have no mistakes. They have mistakes too. So now here's my struggle. I've been a Christian for a long time now. I'm still not perfect. I still get mad. I still lose my temper. I still have road rage. I can't even say that right. That's imperfect. Right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm just like, I'm flawed. I'm just flawed. I'll always be flawed. I get mad at my parenting. I get mad at my husbandry. I get mad at me. But I like this word. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel. See, I'm Gomer in this story. You're Gomer in this story. And God's trying to say to us, I don't care what you do, how far you go, the depths of your destruction, I still love you. So, he says, I still love Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. So here's what happens. God says, go find your wife. Why? Because he doesn't know where she's at. So go find your wife who's gone, who is loved by another, and go love her even though she's a prostitute. So let me just pause for a second. Let's just kind of back up, take a step back. If this happened today, and you go and your buddy, your girlfriend, she's in this kind of relationship, and you go to sit down and have coffee together, what, how would you counsel her? How would the average person counsel the person who's doing what Hosea is doing? What would we say to Hosea if he was in our world today? We'd say, dude, bro, leave the old bag. Right? Ditch her. Move on. She's ruining you. She's toxic. Right? This is jacked up. Your kids are suffering. You're walking around. Your shoulders are hunched. You never smile any longer. We'd say, look, she's messed up. You're, this is going nowhere. You've got to get out of this. That's what we would say. And, and as you process this, don't forget, in this story, God represents Hosea. 
in this story re represent Gomer, the cheater. I mean, it, it, it's kind of a, uh, I love God, I'm with God, I drift from God. I'm walking with God, I, I, I make a mistake, I feel separated from God. Don't you always kind of feel like, ah, I messed up, God loves me a little bit less right now, I can't walk back into the relationship because I've been gone for a while? So God makes the point of the story to help us grasp his love for us, to help us grasp that his grace extends and extends and extends so that we would run to him, not away from him. That we'd run into his arms and be a part of a connection and deep relationship with him. So God says, go find her, bring her home again. Um, because that's how I want them, us, to know I love them. I'm pursuing my people while they are lost. So the amazing truth of, of this story, and, and I think it's profound. I, I, there's not another story in the Bible like this. Uh, thank God we're like, whoa, this is kind of freaky, right, that God, like, made this guy do this. But, like, I think that's the point, to showcase something so devastating that we could really let something seep in. God loves us no matter what. And I need that. I, I, need, to, I need to be refreshed of that every day because I, I'm always shooting and missing. I'm always blown and I'm always making mistakes. And when I look back and, and track it, right, and I'm, I'm the worst at looking back and adding up my mess when I'm in a funk, and I'm like, look what I've done. How could God use me? How could I still be loved by my wife? How can my kids still like, Daddy, I love you? It's like, ugh, I'm, I'm, I, it makes me mad when I look back. But here's the amazing truth. And, and, and this is in your notes, so hang on to this. Grace is the difference between life being over and starting life over with God. See, it's like with God, not with God. With God, not with God. Not with God. Grace is the difference between life being over. That's being disconnected with God. That's what it feels like. It's like life's over. Don't you feel like, oh, it's over. I've, I've screwed it all up again. It's over. I'll never get back with her, get back with God, never be right with them. It feels like when you blow it, it's over. Like, oh, I've done it again. I'll never get out. Grace is the difference between life being over and life starting over with God. See, God wants to pour his grace in our lives. So let me, let me, let me, let me read you a letter um, that I think you can relate to. It's a guy, uh, a dude who um, really blew it in his relationship with his wife, cheated, the whole thing. This is what he wrote. He said, I still remember the feelings of guilt and shame the first time I was unfaithful to my wife. I believe my secret would not be exposed. I attempted to stop on my own willpower. I lied, covered up, and did whatever it took to cover myself and my reputation. Eventually, my sin caught up with me, and my world came crashing down. I will never forget meeting with my kids and hearing their cries of anguish. I will never forget the pain I caused my wife. Even as I write these words, that memory still hurts me deeply and brings a lump to my throat and tears to my eyes. But it was a result of my own selfish choices. I became a statistic. Now, the, the last part of this is what I, I really want you to, to, to walk away with today. He says, I became a statistic. He said, but statistics say 
that my second marriage will fail. But I know God says grace says otherwise. Statistics say that I will be unfaithful to my wife again and again. But God says grace says otherwise. Statistics say I'm finished, but God's grace says otherwise. Statistics say I'm confined to the sidelines, but God's grace says otherwise. Statistics says my story is a tragedy, but God's grace says otherwise. I don't deserve grace, but I believe in a God of second chances, and I believe I can be molded into something new. See, here, here's what's crazy. Really grasping how, how amazing God's grace is, is the very thing that causes you to have strength to continue on. When you really know how much God loves you, when you really know that God will go anywhere to pursue you, in your ugly est phase, place, when we really grasp that, it's then and only then do we really go, okay, God, I, I, I'm, I surrender. I'm, I'm so broken, God, but because you, your grace is so big, God, I'll, I'll give it, I'll, I'll surrender and, and follow you. See, when you don't understand God's grace is when we keep running. When we go, God, I can't come back. That's when, we, that's when we're confused about who God is. So God creates this story. I mean, it's not just like created. God, like, have a guy live it so we could be completely truthful about who he is. So pick it up. So Hosea comes home night after night, putting the kids to bed who are some conceived in prostitution. His heart broke, but God says love her, so he does. So he goes to find her. This time, she's in a seedy part of town. Uh, as she's been lured from person to person, she's now got herself caught up with uh, the, ancient, a, the ancient version of a pimp who is auctioning her off to make money. So he walks into this setting where men are offering to buy her. And basically, she's, she's, uh, she's, in, she's now in sex slavery. So Hosea, the prophet of God, has to negotiate for her against other dudes to buy her freedom to get her back and to take her home. Some of you guys are like, dude, you were making this up. No, I promise you, it's not. It's right here in the Bible. Hosea 3.2. Hosea says, so I bought her back. I bought her back. For 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of, wa- measure of wine. Here's what's crazy. That's the price of a slave in the ancient world. You know, in the Bible, we see uh, literally the word in a couple different places, but this, the idea of this, the pattern of this, the, the picture of who God is in the Bible is a word called Redemption. Redemption, R-E-D-E-M-T-E-M-T-I-O-N, redemption. You know what the word redemption means? It means to buy back. God in this story, or Gomer, excuse me, Hosea in this story is God. God is saying to every person who's ever, ever breathed, I will stop at nothing to pursue you, to give you grace, and I'll do whatever it takes to earn you back. To buy you back. So here, here's Hosea. Picture this. You're the husband. Your heart's broke. 
You show up, there's men, there's, there's, there's some seedy characters around, and they're saying, hey, I'll, I'll give you 10, 10, 10 pieces of silver for that girl. And he says, I'll give you 11. I'll give you 12. I'll give you 13. I'll give you 14. I'll give you 15. In fact, I'll give you 15 pieces of silver. I'll give you barley, and I'll give you some wine. And he goes, sold. And he has to go show up in this setting and buy her back. This is the most powerful picture of what Jesus would do later for us when he would physically come to this earth. Christmas, we celebrated the birth of Jesus. That's what Christmas is. It's, it's celebrating the fact that God said, not only have they bl- broken my laws, humankind, and they, they, ha- they, they are left with a payment they can't pay, they can't make payment, but I'll make payment for them. So he sends his son on this earth to come make payment for us. This is this story. God models this to us. First Peter says it so, so incredibly well. First Peter 1.18 says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from your empty life, from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. That would be Adam and Eve. And then so on and so on and so on. And your mom and your dad, did you know they're not perfect? Yeah, we all know that, okay? Right? Did you know your kids aren't perfect? So we, we, this, is, this is perpetual. But the point that God made in history is the same point that he wanted to make today. And that is this. That payment was not made with mere gold and silver. Nobody can make that payment. You can't be good enough. You can't. Make You can't outweigh the wrongs with like a whole bunch more rights because it doesn't matter if you've shot the arrow once and missed the bullseye, you're now a misser of the mark. We'll never be good enough to have God's approval apart from what Jesus did. And it was not paid with mere gold and silver, which lose their value. It was how? The precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. So let's just relate for a moment. Um, how we feel oftentimes is, is, is this. You know, if we feel like, you know, God, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to do right. I'm trying to be at my best, but it feels like I'm always going backwards. Well, grace says it's not about trying harder. It's about depending on him and his strength and power. Grace says it's not about having it all worked out because, I mean, there, there are people that even in our church with our no perfect people allowed policy idea, right? Which is just a fun slogan to let our whole city and the rest of the world to know, hey, you don't have to have it all worked out to come show up to God, right? He pursues us wherever we're at. So we would say, Grace would say, it's not about having it all worked out. It's about Him working in us. Because, I mean, there are a lot of us that we give effort, but my effort's not enough. I can't do it on my own. We can't do it separated and not connected relationally with God. And you can define yourself. And I know you do this. I do this. I define myself. We define ourselves by our past mistakes and our faults. It's like who I am. That's what I did. That, that's, that's, that's who I am. And, and, and the, the enemy will lie to us to drag us down. But grace says, here's what grace says. Grace says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Who said that? God did. About who? Us. Individually. He knew every head on our, every hair in our heads and says, you, you, Jeff Murphy, 
You, Ed Griffin-Hagen, not so much Ed. Um, you, um, you are fearfully, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Grace says you are sons and daughters, sons and daughters of the Most High King, who says, I want you to be my family, my family. See, oftentimes when you're lost, you feel alone, right? Oftentimes when you've blown it, you feel separated from God. But what does God want us to grasp from this story? Well, let me show you. Galatians 5. Here's the purpose of all of this. Galatians 5 1, excuse me, says, first four words. Y'all see that? What's the first four words? Let's read it together. It is for what? Freedom. freedom. Let's say it loud. It is for freedom. freedom. The point of all this is it is for freedom. Freedom that Christ has set us free. God did not set us free so we'd be in change the rest of our life. He knew we'd, he knew we'd still blow it. He knew we would walk, some of us, around with a lot of guilt and shame on our shoulders and live and look at and, and find identity with what we've done in our pasts and say, yeah, that's who I am. And Jesus says, no, 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 that's not who you are. It's not even who you were because I've covered all of that and I continue to and I continue to find you to offer you grace no matter where you are. Why? So that we can stand firm so we cannot fall off the boat, so we can continue walking with. He says, so do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. That means, like, do not carry the guilt. Let go of the shame. That's not who you are. It's not who you were. It's, it's all about Jesus. And him living through you and you not being alone any longer. So I want to do this today. I want to end with one point. Usually I give you three points, kind of go old school. Three points just seems right. But I, I have one point today. And, I, and I, I make one point today to ask you to do one thing. So one point, one step. And I, and I, and I want it to be ridiculously simple because I want to remove every barrier you might have to say no to the challenge I'm about to throw out. All right, so men, man up. Women, Women up. Take this challenge because I think it'll, it'll transform your hearts. And if we'll do this challenge together, which is a 30-day challenge, you guys are going, oh, crap, 30 days. It's a big one. If we'll do it together, we will grow. You will change. You will experience God greater than ever before. How do I know this? It's just proven time and time again. Scripture says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do you know how that happens? Only through God's word. So let me, let me give you the one word. The one word I want you to take away from today and to use this one word to throw out a challenge, the one word is this, abide. Abide. Anybody know what abide is? Let me tell you what it is. John 15.5 says it very well. Here's, here's where you'll get your want to, your desire to, to, to abide. God wants us to abide in him. He says to us, Jesus actually says Jesus' words. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches, right? Giving you this picture of branches can't survive disconnected to the vine. Like my fingers would be vines connected to my arm. They, they, they work, right? It works. 
this pinky works, that thumb works, all these fingers works, right? Don't all point them individually at the same different times because it could be bad, right? But my brain just goes weird places, right? (laughs) The point I'm trying to make with focus, all right, is these work connected to this. Apart from this, they don't work. They don't function. They're, They're dependent on the vine. So Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who, and here's the word, say it. He who what? Abides in me, that's Jesus, and I am him, bears much fruit. Now that's supposed to be a positive thing. That's me like, yay, good things, right? That means growthful things. That means purposeful things. I have a guy that I spent time with last week, two weeks ago. And he said, I just, I don't like my job, but yet I'm always at my job. And I feel like I've got no purpose. He's like, I'm kind of sad. Here's the point. Apart from God, everything has zero purpose. Nothing has purpose unless you're connected to God. So if we're connected to God, we bear fruit. We have a fruitful life. We have purpose. We grow. We're joyful, happier, more content, more satisfied when we're connected to the vine. So he says to us, abide in me or you can do nothing. Now, now I'm just being straight. Some of you are empty. You're not growing. Kind of show up to church, get your fix. But that's where it ends. We have a challenge I'm rolling out today. It's the easiest challenge in your life with the greatest return of your life. This will be the greatest ROI, return on investment, you'll ever make. It's easy. I'm challenging our church to read your Bible for 30 days. If I said that before, yeah. But never have we made it so easy and never have we asked the entire church to do something together where we can easily track and, and, and roll together on this one. So what we've done is we're pulling together um, what we're calling New Through 30. It's reading through the New Testament in 30 days. How many of you guys have ever read through the New Testament and in its entirety? That's way more than I thought. Wow, awesome. If you've not, you should. If you haven't in a long time, you should. If you want to grow, we're going to do this together. So here's what you got to do. You got to get your phone out or your computer, and you need to download one or two things. One, download our My Church app, all right? Our My Church app will open up to a New Through 30 app. You can't see this very well, but it looks like that. You'll click it. It'll say, start reading. You'll say, all right. It'll say, do you want to let other friends know about this? You might want to have a friend who tracks with you. You may want to read together. You may talk about, hey, that verse over coffee. Man, that verse, here's where it stumps me. Or here's where, man, that really sunk in, that word, abide. That word. Even some of what we read today will be in that New Testament reading. Challenge is, will you do it? The challenge is, after five days, will you quit? I will say some of you will, but we got that figured out too. Here's what we got. You get behind. I'll probably get behind. You'll probably get behind. There is a button on there that says catch up. Like, you want to catch up? 
All you do is say, catch up. Boom. You get a fresh start again. You ca- it catches you up. You start there. And listen, I don't care if you get behind 30 days. You start next month. I don't care if it takes you 90 days. Get this. If you do this, you're going to abide in Christ. You're going to be connected with him. And it's gonna. it says you get to activate that scripture and make it true for you. You will bear fruit. You will be satisfied. You will be fuller, more content, more connected to God. And the return on your investment will be transformation. God's going to do something in your hearts. So my challenge is this. I want every person to walk out today downloading New Through 30 app through the Bible version app or our My Church app and start with us tomorrow, Monday. Now, I, this, let, me, let me tell you the good news for me. This holds me accountable. I've read through the Bible a few times. It's been a little while, pretty, pretty good while, that I've read through the New Testament. I need this. So when I ask you to do it, guess what? I got to do it too, right? So this is going to help me. And I'm also making it more of a challenge for myself so I continue. I'll probably have to catch up. But I'm asking you guys to go on Instagram and, and find Christy or I. I'm, I'm, I think I'm Jeff Murphy1234 on Instagram. Christy's uh, Christy J. Murphy. Uh, we've got those somewhere, I think. Yep, right there. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna kind of take some notes on this. Follow with us. Well, maybe we'll be on the exact same day together. Maybe we're weeks together tracking. I'm going to underline verses and say, here, this is what this one meant to me. How about you guys? We can do this together. If we'll do it together, we'll win. All right? Don't go in alone. That's why we're doing this together. Together we can win. All right? Take the 2017 growth challenge. Do new through 30, and let's do this. Some of you guys are like, I don't like to read. Do you read text messages? Come on, you can do this. You can do this, all right? Man up, men. Ladies, lady up. Let's do this. Let me pray for you. God, I pray that today you would motivate us to abide in you. And God, when we, when we look at our past and we get tripped up by our mess, God, I pray we would recognize what you did for us and that your grace is reaching to lift us out, to lift us up, to help us to be grace and love and forgiveness for us. So, Lord, we give you this moment. We commit now for you to you. Help us. Grow us. Let 2017 be the greatest growth year of our lives. In your name I pray. Amen. Our host teams are going to come. We're going to close with a song. This song rocks, people. So get yourself fired up. I pray you would give generously real quick as these guys come. Last week, we had a couple of our church trailers stolen from our M25 ministry. Remember, we gave all those blankets, all those blankets that we gave over Christmas were stolen. The guy who stole them, I hope he shows up to church one day. I hope he shows up and we give him this kind of grace. But guess what? He wasn't that bright. He sold the trailers to somebody who was friends with Susan Griffinhagen. And they took pictures of their tags. And Susan went and identified them. We got it all back. Hey, not only do not only we get them back, we got those back and then some because our church has been rallying. rallying. Y'all been raising money. You've been, like, raising more blankets. 
And we got two new trailers back, and some dude already committed. He's trying to already get another trailer, so we may have three trailers. So listen, give big. We can do more. Do you know that all your resources every week go to sponsor all of our church ministries? Every week, we're using them to make Jesus' name famous. Thank you for what you do. God bless these resources. Our Father, Creator.